Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Handoff. Foster running right across the five. He gets in. Arian Foster, his third touchdown of the day. And the Texans are beating up Indianapolis. What is good? What is up? It's Jordan or Texans Thoughts, and we're back with another episode of Believe in Texans today. I'm very excited to preview Houston Texans rookie mini camp with our special guest, Keith Sanchez. Keith, how you doing today? Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, no problem, man. I'm doing good. Ready to talk some ball with you, man. Dive into these rookies and see how they're going to perform in this uh, upcoming year. Dude, let's do it. I'm super excited for, for a Houston Texans fan like myself. You know, there might not be a lot to get excited about the season, but the rookies, that's number one for me, man. So I'm excited to talk about it. But first, I want to just quickly say you guys can check out the Believe in Texans show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as on YouTube. We're almost at 6,000 subs on YouTube, so I appreciate you guys, all the support you guys have been showing. Hit the like button, subscribe, all that good stuff. Can't do it without y'all. But let's introduce Keith. Let's talk about you and your journey, um, you know, covering the NFL draft and and working with LSU. How, how was that experience for you, like, as a, as a lead personnel member for their team? Um, what were kind of, like, the main lessons that you learned working for such an amazing program? Oh, man, that, that can probably be an hour within itself, <laughs> right? just how many uh, lessons I learned and just experiences that are uh, – you know, stay with me for a lifetime. But man, it, it it was really good. And obviously I was there through some really good years. I like to say that I seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Like <laughs> us, um in, you know, 2016, uh where we, you know, we're a good football team. And then 2017, 2018, you knew that we yeah. were just missing a quarterback. And then that magical 2019 season, um, where, you know, I would like to say we're probably the best <laughs> college football team of all time, right? Ooh, <laughs> damn, Keith, damn, don't hold back on them. <laughs> and then the, the 2020 season, right, it, it, it was not up to that standard, just to have the championship mm. standard. And then I believe we went five and five after that. Um, yep. That's why I say I seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I, I learned a lot through that process. So, you know, me just being a, a, the person I am, I was always observing um, you know, just input, but I was also taking a lot from other people because I feel as though, you know, whenever you're in a room with other, you know, talented minds, it's always key yeah. to, you know, know that you're smart, right? But then also have the opportunity to be quiet, listen, observe, mm-hmm. and take some knowledge from somebody else. So, man, it was it was so many things that I took away from um, LSU and my my five year stint there. Yeah, that's a great point to be to be a listener. You know, a lot yeah. of the time it's it's easy to get caught up in man. I made it here. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm smarter yeah. than all these guys. You know, I'm the big man in the room. But a lot of the time, there's always someone smarter than us, always someone bigger, stronger, faster. You know what I mean? So, but so I love that. I love your, your openness there for sure. This show is presented by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs. Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Talk about what was it like to, to win a national championship, man? That must be an amazing feeling to be a part man, of that. You know, it it 
probably hit more so after than during the process, right? Because Coach O was big on the next week, the next week, the next week. And, you know, we hear those cliches, but, you know, football is such an emotion-driven game mm -hmm. one way mm -hmm. or the other, right? Like you can make emotional decisions that can hurt you. You can make emotional decisions that help you. But we always try to stay even killed and, and approach every game like it was a top-notch game. Uh, the way we prepared our players were, you know, in that, that notion. And I think that's why you've never seen us – really looked too rattled, right, throughout mm -hmm. the season. And so, you know, we just took it one week at a time. That's something Coach O always talked about. And then next thing you look up, we're national champions, right? And and it's kind of <laughs> like, wow, man, you know, that was kind of cool. And then, you know, you went through the ring ceremony. But we always talked about it in the building that we really didn't get our opportunity to have our kind of celebration moment because mm -hmm. COVID hit COVID. right after. Yeah, so – you know, we didn't get our spring opportunity to, you know, kind of wear our rings around. And yeah, parade a little, yeah. <laughs> get a little dry. Yeah, yeah, do a little something. But, you know, COVID hit <laughs> right after. And then after COVID, I mean, it was kind of weird. We went five and five, right? So it was like that That happened quick. That transition mm -hmm. happened quick, man. Um, But, you know, just being re reflecting on it now, you know, with the draft network, I went to the SEC championship yeah. game this year and to know that I was – you know, I was in that stadium two, three years ago, but I was on the sideline helping, you know, LSU win. So, man, it's, it's just cool when you get in those moments and it's real um, reflection opportunities. For sure, for sure. And I think that's a perfect segue to, uh, I guess, your next chapter, you know, in, in your life with TDN. Um, and I heard you're going to, to law school as well. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was I, when I did it, everybody called me crazy. <laughs> um, and, and not so much about the law school part, but because of why I left and that was right. citing the NIL situation and just knowing that college football was about to change one way or the other. But mm -hmm. um, I knew that it was going to be a totally different ball game. So I, I decided to leave because I knew that it was going to be important, um, you know, to get a good understanding of contractual law, understanding how to, you know, maneuver rosters. And because the talent evaluation part, I felt really confident in it, but I knew that, Obviously, with players getting paid, it was going to be a contract, a contraction um, standpoint to it, a contract, I'm sorry, element that was going to be added to it and that was going to be mm -hmm. needed to be part of roster management. So, man, I decided to leave. And then, you know, now you look two, three, two years later, a year and a half later, and now you hear about NIL deals flying left and yeah. right. And, yeah, and I hear I have people hitting me up now like, man, okay, well, you kind of knew what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> you are seeing into the future there. Yeah, just kind of. And it was only because that was something that I specialized in just in my five years. So, you know, you know your industry better than anybody else knows your industry, basically, mm -hmm. because you work it every single day. So that was just something that I kind of foreseen coming. For sure. For sure. It sounds like you're putting together, you know, you're making yourself a more well-rounded individual. Um, and the, and the way I hear you speak, you sound like an NFL coach already. <laughs> you say you got the talent evaluation part down. Now you got the, the lawyer in your back pocket. God damn, Keith, what is your kind of like end goal here? What's your dream goal of working for an NFL team? What, what are you, what are you thinking? I want to hear it. Man, I, I would say this, uh, when, when I left LSU, I knew that, you know, it was for football, getting back into football, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether that's working for a team, uh, you know, whether that's college or the NFL, um, but working with the draft network where I am now, um, seeing the, the I guess it's a cross, right, between the personnel and then the media side of it, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of enjoying it in the moment right now yeah. because it's, it's kind of cool to be able to interact with, you know, with people like yourself and yeah. really talk football because when you're inside of a team, building and facility everything is between us right there's mm -hmm. no we don't get the opportunity to hop on the phone to hop on podcasts and talk about who we like the best because yeah. it's we're in competition right so at lsu we were competing with alabama and texas a&m and florida and georgia for the right. top recruits so i can't just you know hop on a podcast and be like hey man i really like this corner <laughs> right here because it is so i'm enjoying being able to you know i guess you kind of say get out a little more and yeah just, just kind of get after so i'm enjoying this part and where the future holds for me, man, I, I told myself, you know, I, I thought I had an idea, but I really want to take this one step at a time and then just continue yes. to knock out my personal goals and, you know, just just let God take me where, where it's supposed to be. 100%, <laughs> dude, I love that. I, I'm a big believer of whatever is supposed to happen will happen. You know, yes. hardships, you know, you can learn from them. Your achievements, your goals, they will come if, if if you put in the hard work. So I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And I'm excited to, to see you and, and follow your 
your journey, man. It's awesome. I've, I've been a big fan of TDN for basically since they were since their inception, just looking yeah. up to a lot of the guys who've come and, and gone through there, Ben Solak, Jordan Reed, and, and seeing all the, yeah. the, the high, the heights that they are going at. So I feel like you are definitely next in line and, and your buddy, Damien Parson that you started uh, the talent yeah. factor podcast with. <laughs> Dude, I love Dame. I love Dame. I've been a big fan of him, big follow of him. And so it's been great to listen to you guys get that podcast started. Maybe give the, the viewers here, I believe in Texans kind of a quick rundown of, of what that podcast looks to entail. Yeah, so, you know, joining the Draft Network, obviously we have the Draft Dudes, right? That's mm-hmm. that's Kyle Krabs, that's Joe Marino, and they attack football from the NFL perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I went to our CEO, Paige DeMarcos, and I said, look, I said I have an extensive background in college football. So mm-hmm. I said, why not let's attack it from a different angle, right? So now, you know, the fans of the Draft Network in just college football period, they get to get a deep insight of the college football and then take that transition along to the NFL. So that way the segue part is kind of the draft, right? And then right. it kind of just makes sense. So you get the draft network and you get everything. You get college football, the transition to the draft, and then you get the transition of them to pro football. So yeah, man, the, the, the talent factor is focused on college football. We have real discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always try to add the human element um, to our listeners. So they kind of understand that because I think that, when you know we see these people on pedestals and things like that, mm-hmm. we kind of forget that there's a human element to yeah. it where people just make decisions based off emotion. And I try to give them experiences that I had, you know, working in a building mm-hmm. and how things and situations may unfold. Because if it doesn't make sense, I try to kind of explain that part for them. So, man, it's, it's really good. We're having fun. Our season is coming up. College football is coming yes, up. Sir. We're about to do a lot of great things at Talent Factor. Dude, I'm really excited to keep up with it for this next cycle. Uh, do you have an early quarterback one? Yeah, so we're, we're having a bit of a battle. Uh, <laughs> the scouts right now um, is it's Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Yep. We're, we're really battling it out for. Um, man, because both of those guys, they do really good things. Um, obviously, Bryce Young won the Heisman last year, but man, I think CJ Stroud can win it this year, right? Oof, so, yep. I, I'm going to be honest, I personally don't have a, a QB1 right now. Okay, okay. Um, but, you know, I guess you just have to kind of lean towards Bryce Young right now because he won the Heisman last year mm-hmm. and he <clears throat> put up the numbers. So definitely go with Bryce Young. For sure, for sure. Okay. We can further those discussions another time. But uh, let's get back on topic a little bit. before we get, Right before we get into the Texans draft class, I do want to ask you one other thing. You know, as someone who's who has risen through the ranks, been at the – the peak of, of college football, working for a college football team as a, as a talent evaluator like yourself, what would be kind of the one piece of advice you would give to aspiring scouts um, who want to make it, whether it's in the NFL or for college football? What would be your one piece of advice? Man, I, I would say work hard, stay ready, um, and don't be afraid to talk to people, man, because you mm-hmm. never know who's that one person that'll give you that one opportunity. For sure. Football, the football industry more than any other industry is about who you know. And, and I'm being completely honest with people yeah. and I'm being authentic. So, man, don't be afraid to talk to people. Sometimes you have to go out on a whim, um, show up to, you know, possibly the senior bowl or just these different mm-hmm. all-star events in hopes of speaking to somebody. And guess what? You may have a thousand people that tell you no, but it really just takes that just one yes to really jumpstart your career, man. If nobody will believe in you like you will believe in yourself. So, man, don't let anybody else put you in a box, work hard, stay dedicated to the craft of evaluations and be willing to get better. And then, yeah, man, just, just be willing to step out of that box. For sure. Dude. I love that. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to, to climb that ladder and then trying to do my best. And that's what I always tell other people, other smaller creators who, you know, you just got to put in the work, be consistent and then make your connections, man. Cause yeah. all it takes is that one. Yes. Everyone will tell you about how, how, how hard the odds are, but at the end of the day it only takes one. Yes. And once you're in, you kind of have that in. You can make your connections and branch out from there. And and it's man, it's. I, I would I would say one other thing, and I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, I, just, go for it. I, I repeat this. Um, so I have one of my mentors in college football. Um, mm-hmm. he's currently the running back coach for Florida. Um, Coach Jabbar Luke. I've been knowing him a while, and um, you know, he told me A O A I. He's like that's the motto to live by, and I said, what does that mean, Coach? He said, always <laughs> on a, a interview. Meaning mm. that you always put out the best representation of yourself, no matter what you're doing. So if you're, if you're tweeting out anything, man, put out the best representation of yourself. If you're showing up to an event, put out the rep- best representation of yourself because you never know who's watching. So that's that's definitely a model to always try to live by. 
Dude, that's great. That's great. And especially nowadays with how media is and everyone can see anything. Like even if someone doesn't know, if even if you think someone doesn't know you, they can find your stuff just like that. Yeah. So you always got to be AOAI. I love that. I love that, Keith. Um, perfect. Okay, let's transition into kind of the talk about the Texans draft class at nine picks this year. For me overall, man, I was very, very happy with the draft class. And that's not something I, I always am. I'm very picky when it comes down to rookies. Usually I don't like, usually maybe in one draft class, there'll be like one of my guys that gets taken. But this draft class, man, there were a few of my guys. I absolutely love Jalen Petrie, love John Mechie. Uh, Damian Pierce, like their their mid round picks, there were absolutely money for me. But I kind of want to hear your kind of overall thoughts on the draft class, and we'll get into maybe each of these players a bit more specifically. But what were your overall thoughts on the Texans? How do you think they did this year? So you talked about my draft grade earlier when I gave mm-hmm. them an A minus, um, and that's because I liked a lot of these guys personally. Yeah. Um, the each each round, these guys were towards the top of that round for me. So you talk about Derek mm-hmm. Stingley. Even when there was the Sauce Gardner and um, mm. you know a couple of other corners that were supposed to be top guys, I kind of held strong to Derek Stingley as CB one, and, and you know that may possibly because of my LSU connection. <laughs> I'm watching them in practice every single day, but man, so just to grab that guy in the first round, Kenyon Green, I think this is a and it's hard for him to be a sleeper pick because he was in the first round, but. Right. Majority of the draft, he flew, he flew under the radar. And, and mm-hmm. I was questioning myself, and I'm like, nobody's talking about him, so maybe I'm crazy, right? <laughs> um, but to snatch this guy up at 15 overall, this guy, like I said, he played left tackle, left guard, right guard, and right tackle. Yep. And his best game in college was left tackle against Will Anderson. Yes. So that that lets you know what, what caliber player you're getting. Jalen Petrie, man, just the type of things he can do. Um, I'm familiar with the Aranda defense, so just him – being a multiple guy in that defense, you know, he's a very mm-hmm. smart football player. Then John Mechie, man, if I would tell you he's he's catching in traffic ability away from being a possible number one wide receiver. Yep. He's explosive. Like he's top two, three explosive receivers in this class. His release is crazy. Um, he's an amazing route runner. He's explosive. Mm-hmm. So, man, I, I, I loved what they did just in the draft and then – one of my sleeper guys also is Damian Pierce. Yes, sir. And this was kind of cool for me because um, when I first started at LSU, I believe Damian was, man, I want to say he might have been a junior. And, you know, I watched him into his senior year in high school. At Bain, I believe he's from Bainbridge, Georgia. And yep. I had him ranked in my top seven as running backs coming out of high school. And then just to kind of watch him and through the years and through the process, and I believe he got drafted as – maybe the number seventh or eighth running back in this year's draft. Yeah. So it's somebody <laughs> I've been watching a while and just had my eyes on because I thought he was a really good football player. So, man, from top to bottom, I thought they did a really good job drafting. Definitely, definitely, yeah. No, dude, you were spot on with your Pierce evaluation. God <laughs> damn. Okay, crystal ball Keith. That's what I'm going to call you. I like that one. I'm going to throw that one out there, man. Just put the little crystal ball by my name. Use it 100%. 100%. I'll, I'll Photoshop your face on, on a crystal ball. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But yeah, let's let's dive in a little bit more to the first pick, uh, third overall, Derek Stingley. You mentioned you got a chance to watch him at LSU. Can you kind of speak to his, you know, personality? Because he kind of comes off as, you know, a quiet killer. Is that is that kind of accurate in your eyes? Yeah, and 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 nothing is wrong with that, right? I think mm-hmm. everybody wants the Richard Sherman or the Deion Sanders. Yeah. But they're all Marshawn Lattimore's. They're all Stephon Gilmore's. Yep. They're all Darrell Revis's who don't talk a lot, right? They just mm-hmm. they just step on the field, and that's what they do. And, and just knowing Derek Stingley, um, I've been knowing him since he's probably 15 years old, right? Because that's how long we had to recruit him since he was a freshman in high school. And that's just always been his mantra. But I appreciate it because guess what? He's not being anything that he's not, right? He's mm-hmm. being true and authentic to himself. And then when he steps on a football field, and this is a guy that's been working at this since he was – eight, nine years old because we, we know his grandpa played in the NFL. His, his mm-hmm. father chased the professional league. So he's been getting groomed for this moment and for this position for a very long time. And, man, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, that 2019 season, yeah. um, you know, we had Christian Fulton on one side and then he was on the other, right? And, and you're mm-hmm. talking about a true freshman as a corner. And, um, you know, he was playing high school football just a couple months ago. And then just being able to step on the field and cover guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall 
and he did it at a high level in practice. And then mm -hmm. he goes and covers George Pickens, Justin Ross, and, you know, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. And he's seen it all as an 18-year-old kid. So, man, it, it was just um, – it, it was special to see because I can tell you this, just working in college football, it's not many – um kids that can do it from not only a physical level but a mental level so man i i like i said man just knowing him he, he checks all the boxes for me definitely for sure he's one of the most battle-tested guys this year um you mentioned you had him as your cornerback one over sauce yes what were kind of the main traits that you you favor stingley and i would imagine it's kind of the ball skills maybe it's the battle the the competition that he faced what what was it for you and it's is, is ball skills and versatility. Okay. I'm going to start with ball skills, and I always say this with defensive backs. When the ball's in the air, they do one or two things. They panic or they stay patient. Yes, sir. Eric Stingley was one of the most patient players i ever seen with the ball in the football air and with the, with the football in the air, I'm sorry. And he instantly turned into the receiver. Man, that's, that's a very mm -hmm. instinctual thing to do, to cover the wide receiver, see the football in the air, and then no longer be worried about the receiver for you to turn into the receiver because it happens so quick. Um, but he, he just did it so effortlessly. So you talk about just elite ball skills, that's him. And then the versatility, um, I thought he was a really good tackler. Um, and then just his ability to play man, play zone, play press, play off, um, you know, just have good eyes, come downhill. And he, he just did it all. I just thought this was a complete football player. So that's why he kind of had the edge over some of these other players like a sauce because I just thought that sauce may have been a little bit more scheme specific. I think he went to a really good spot with the Jets being a cover three zone yeah. drop type defense. He went to a great spot for him for himself, but I thought Derek Stingley was the more complete corner. Okay, okay, I hear you, I hear you. So then projecting him into Lovey Smith's defense as the defense historically plays a lot of Tampa too, um, would you expect Lovey to switch it up a bit or because Stingley is so versatile, like you said, he can kind of stick to what he's comfortable with and, and continue to call out his own base coverages? Yeah, so I thought it was interesting that the Texans went corner at number three. Yeah. Uh, just because of Lovey Smith's scheme, knowing he runs a Tampa two, and that, you know, when you talk about value and a defense and mm -hmm. schemes, and I, I, I thought they would go with a different position, right? The um, end or something, but, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, they, they say if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. So I watched the Lovey Smith interview. <laughs> um, I think that was earlier today about the, the rookie mini camps. That yep, yep. Um, and he talked about he was going to be a whole lot more versatile in his defense, right? Mm -hmm. He was going to run some cover four, some cover two. They uh, they were going to play some man. They were going to leave their corners on the island and just really switch it up. And then that's when the light bulb kind of went off. I said, okay, that's why they chose Derek Stingley at number three because he wants to be able to take your number one wide receiver, um, you know, off the field and be able to eliminate him with Derek Stingley and then use the rest of the players just to kind of play a, you know, a 10 on 10 mm -hmm. type situation, but knowing that I took your best wide receiver out of the game. So initially I didn't understand the pick, like I said, for Lovey yep. Smith's team, but hearing him talk about it in that interview, it started, you know, things started to make sense for me and, you know, kind of predict what, um, what the Houston Texas defense is going to look like this upcoming year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's been one of the biggest storylines um, for the Texans is Ken Lovey Smith you know, adjust to kind of more of the modern NFL defensive concepts. A lot of people like to say Tampa 2 is outdated, yada, yada, yada. But I feel like last year, you know, it was his first year and he didn't really have the personnel. He didn't have the corners where mm -hmm. he could go ahead and play man coverage, right? You don't want to leave guys like, who do we have last year? Jeez, Terrence Mitchell and, and, and yeah. Desmond King on the outside there on their own, right? You really can't. But now you got this alpha dog in Stingley. You can trust him in those man coverage situations, leave him one-on-one -on, -one on an island that's what lovey smith said like in that exact interview that you referenced he said he wants to be able to leave his corner like you know on their own and, and shadow that wide receiver one so i'm excited to see it really high hopes for Derek stingley um what else was i gonna say i was gonna say something else ah i can't remember it let's move on to uh kenyan green we mentioned do you think okay i like the kenyan green pick a lot you said he might be a, a sleeper do you see him where do you see him starting where do you where do you see his best position as, as a as a rookie man um i think he he will provide the most value probably when you combine skill set and value of the position probably at mm -hmm. right tackle okay um but I, like i said man I, I he can get you through some games at left tackle and he can mm -hmm. also play either guard position so that's yeah. why i thought it was a great pick um but if i had to if i had to talk about value and how the you know the nfl values tackles mm -hmm. and they're more rare to find 
Um, and then you talk about traditionally your right tackle being your run game tackle, yep. um, kind of your role grader type. Um, I think his his best position, how he would best help the team, would probably be as a right tackle. But man, just the way Texas A&M used him last year, it seems as though if any offensive lineman got hurt for Texas A&M, yeah. it was used him to kind of fill that hole, right? And he yep. filled every position. And man, I don't, I can't stress enough how how difficult it is for players to go from the right tackle with you know their, their left hand or their right foot being dominant going to the left tackle and their left hand and right foot being dominant and he he did it masterfully so man I, I'm having no concerns about Kenyon Green wherever he plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah his versatility is definitely one of his biggest strengths. It's crazy that they moved him around so much and, and he you know didn't always really get a chance to you know get comfortable build continuity at one position like you said it's so much easier than it sounds like to a lot of fans like oh just switching from left tackle to right tackle like it doesn't make too much of a difference on what most people think but man the technique the the muscle memory all of that involved it's completely completely different so the texans have not been the best about keeping their offensive linemen in one position and, and allowing them to kind of develop at that position they have titus they drafted titus howard in the first round of 2019 they moved him around everywhere man right tackle left guard left tackle and we've seen that he's kind of best as a tackle so in my eyes i think tunsil should be the left tackle laramie tunsil titus howard stays at right tackle for you i think he's a good pass protector there and then move Kenyon green inside at guard i think that's really where i would like to see him um best he's a big big body i think he'd be able to you know create the vertical displacement that you need in, in the yeah. interior to kind of to improve our run game because we have the league worst run game man we need we need those road graders inside so yeah. i would like him there but then like you said like he gives you the versatility um whether tunsil or titus are extended past their current deals both their deals are done in 2024 so That's you can kick back out there i'm glad you mentioned that because it, it gives the texans versatility moving forward yes, they can sir. almost you know, pick who they want to extend, right? And be like, you know, whoever doesn't take the deal or the number that we set it at, we can mm-hmm. always revert back and slide Kenyon Green into whatever uh, whatever hole we have. 100%, 100%. So I'm super excited about that pick. I think he's going to be a long-time starter for us no matter where he plays. Um, and he's a perfect fit for the uh, gap power run scheme that Pep Hamilton is, is brilliant. So big fan of that pick as well. Um, quickly, move, we'll move on to Jalen Petrie. And, and he was like my guy throughout this entire draft process since I first watched him. Um, and man, he's just one of those players that I kind of gravitate towards these smaller hybrid players that play, you know, way above their their weight class and what they're listed as. And, and I feel like his, his comparisons, he gets a lot, you know, Tyron Matthew, Buda Baker. Um, there's some, I see some Kenny Moore a little bit as well. You know, this nickel safety outside linebacker hybrid. Where do you kind of see Jalen Petrie succeeding the best um, for the Texans? Or is it kind of everywhere in that defense? Yeah, I, I think them selecting Jalen Petrie. And when they selected him, that's when I kind of knew things would be different from a strictly cover two yep, yep. type defense because this is such a versatile player. Like you said, he can play in a nickel. He can play as that high safety. But if you watch the Bell of Film, he spent the majority of his time in the box, right? And, yep. they, and they put him close to the football, and he was kind of like that, that see ball, chase ball, get football. And mm-hmm. he's such a high-level motor guy that he made the play a lot. Like, there was a reason why this guy was named as an All-American football player. He's not – well, his film doesn't say he's a traditional safety, mm-hmm. but I think he's a good football player, and that's why I like the pick. And then also, man, I had the opportunity because that was one of my question marks. Um you know, him heading into the, I guess you would say the draft season or the off season was, can he cover? Because he didn't do much of it at Baylor, but watching him at the senior bowl, he did a very good job of it. So I was like, okay, you know what? This guy can, you know, play multiple positions and he can give you versatility on the back end. And you you notice now in NFL, they're going to these kind of three safety looks or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, big nickels or, you know, kind of yep. whatever you want to call them with that additional safeties on the field. And I think he fits in perfectly for that. And like I said, man, it's just, I think that's kind of a, I guess, a projection of what the Texas defense is going to look like. It's going to be very yeah. multiple. So I'm not expecting just strictly cover two next year. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, hopefully that's the case. Lovey. That's what he's talking. That's what he's saying. Let's, I want to see him walk the walk now because a lot of the time we can just be coached. Sorry, say that again. I see. See if he revert back to his old ways. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because Petrie, and even the next guy we'll talk about in Christian Harris, I feel like a lot of 
those I'm going to lump these two together, but a lot of their value comes from uh, blitzing. Both really, really good blitzers. Absolutely love Petrie as a blitzer, um, whether he's as an outside linebacker, as that star kind of linebacker corner, nickel corner hybrid, um, or even from deep. He's a really, really good blitzer. Times a snap well. He's explosive. He's got good closing speed. And like you said, the motor. Like that guy will chase the ball out the stadium. So I love him in that sense. I love Christian Harris as well in that sense. And I'm, I'm curious because Lovey Smith has never really been a big blitzer. He's always kind of relied on his front four to get pressure, and then he can drop the the other seven defenders in coverage. But, yeah, I I, I think I, – I really hope he doesn't revert to his old ways. I hope he can blitz a lot more. We finished, like, 27th in blitz percentage last year. So yeah. hopefully they can get that up a little bit and utilize those guys to their strengths. But, yeah, let's segue into uh, Christian Harris. I believe, no, it was John Mechie before. We'll talk about Christian Harris, and we'll go back to John Mechie just because we're on the topic. But what were your thoughts on uh, Christian Harris, linebacker out of Alabama? Yeah, man, I think his athleticism, it jumps off the field to you immediately. You, you know that this guy's a high-level athlete. Um, I, I liked him in space, too. I thought he had really good closing speed to the ball carrier, which is something that's important. You always want to see your defenders accelerating to the yes. ball carrier and, and not something that you would call a same-speed football player, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're seeing that a lot with Christian Harris. They say in the run game, can he improve some? Yes. Um, but I, I think Lovey will be able to work on him and, you know, reverting back to that interview. I'm more than sure your, your uh, <laughs> listeners are going to go listen to that interview now. Um, I've known him because he's actually from Louisiana and we recruited him okay. in high school. So I, I've been knowing him a while and um, he's still the same person. And that's a very, yeah, that's yeah. a person that has a love for the game. And he talked about that in his interview. Yeah. That, man, he wants to get better. Like he's going to be picking Lovey Smith's brain. And Lovey Smith has a history of dealing with some pretty good linebackers. When you talk about a Brian Erlocker or a Lance Briggs, right? Everybody forgets about Lance Briggs and that Chicago mm. defense. Um, and then you add in, you mix in Christian Harris athleticism. I think Lovey Smith could really groom this guy to potentially be a high level um, linebacker, especially in his defense. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when I initially saw the pick happen, like you see a third round pick, um, I feel like a lot of the fan base had the expectation that he might start right away. But I feel like, like you said, with the kind of improvement areas that he can have in the run game, I kind of wouldn't expect Christian Harris to start right away. But I think this is a long term pick um, and he can be a starter next year and, and going forward. I think he can get groomed by the veterans, like you said. And, and he's a great he seems like a great person on top of also just being a great player. And that was kind of the first initial thoughts I heard when I listened to that interview today is like, man, he is everything. He has all the intangibles that the Texans yes. have been preaching about adding yes. to their team. They've been talking about having good people who are hard workers, dedicated to their craft, willing to do what's uh, right for the team and put the team first. And, and that's exactly who it seems like Christian Harris is. So I'm excited for that. Um, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on what you saw that he can work on in the running. Cause I absolutely agreed. I think it kind of starts with his eyes um, and how he can, kind of get tricked sometimes and kind of be maybe not fully engaged with his keys and, and make the right decisions all the time. Is that kind of what you saw as well? Or there's some other stuff there. I know his tackling issues as well. He can, he can be a bit better about securing the tackle. He's usually one, he can fly to the ball, but sometimes he can secure that a bit better. What was there anything else that you saw? You want to yeah. I, and I think it's just him making the decision quicker. Um, to pull his trigger down. He all, well, one thing I always like to look at my linebackers is their ability to play downhill and make tackles as close to the line of scrimmage as possible. Yeah. And they usually translate to processing skills. Um, but we know Alabama has a, you know, they run a very, I wouldn't say very, but a complex defense yes. as far as, um, you know, just having that noise tackle. Then you're talking about two gap, and then you're talking about usually the linebackers have to read which way the nose tackle goes at times, yeah. right? And so I'm wondering if that played a part into it because whenever you see Christian Harris decide he was going to go, he mm -hmm. went with full speed. You know, it's a good knockback tackle, and you've seen, you know, the strength and the power, athleticism yeah. that he really had. Um, and then there were times where he was real hesitant, and you've seen the guard work up to him, and then, you know, it's issue for him to get off the of blocks a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if, you know, Lovey Smith is in his 4-3 scheme. I know that things are a little bit simplified for linebackers yeah. at times up front because, you know, those defensive linemen are already in gaps and you kind of know if the run goes this way, I got this gap. If it goes the other way, I got this gap. So it may actually help him being in a yeah. fourth team and he'll be able to use the athleticism and be more of a free flow type of guy. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about that one gapping scheme. He can kind of think less and just react more and play more instinctual. Yeah. And I think that's where Christian Harris absolutely is at his best. That's why I liked him the best as 
when he's blitzing because when he can just have his assignment to blitz and, and know maybe there's there's two decisions you kind of have to make off that but depending on his read but when he can just fly to the ball that dude is like a rocket oh my god yeah, he's he crazy <laughs> he can scoop god damn and he's a, a former safety right so he's still kind of working through all of the mental aspects of, of the linebacker play so that's a pick that i'm really excited about um in the long term i think we'll see really great returns for that um the other alabama draft pick this is one of my favorite man john mechie um yeah. you touched on him really a little bit earlier but i feel like man we were we were stolen from from his hype because of the torn acl i feel like if he was able to go through this whole draft process man we might be talking about he might be sneaking into the first round especially with how many wide receivers went in the first round this year do you think uh john mechie would maybe snuck in there or what what do you think about his draft stock yeah, I mean, you can look at it. He went number 44, and that was with a torn ACL. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, like you said, he was just starting to turn it on. Yeah. Um, I believe Jamison Williams got – did he get suspended or he was, got kicked out of the Auburn game? I don't know if he was injured. Might have been injured also. Whatever it was, I know he didn't finish yes. the Auburn game. And then they had to rely on Mechie. And you see Mechie step up as the number one wide receiver. And I think that mm-hmm. that was – a turning point game for him. Like he, cause even when he entered into the, the SEC championship game, you know, he, he was playing really well until he got hurt. Um, and then the torn ACL, but this guy, his, his physical profile, I dare you to match him <laughs> as far as route running up with anybody else in his draft. And I promise you, you'll probably say this guy's the better route runner just because how explosive he is out of his cuts. And that's so important, man, just to make a cut and then explode and run away from, defenders I thought he was really good at that and then there were times where I think he was playing Tennessee um I can't remember if it was this past year or the year before mm. and the cornerbacks were like 12 15 yards off of him and he was so explosive that even with the corners 12 15 yards off of him the corners were still bailing out of there you know with like seven yards of cushion they're they scared they're nervous yeah they were nervous and then he was still just sitting it down you know, just for a quick 10-yard hitch route on right. it turn up field, man. It's, I just love the short area quickness that this guy has. So um, yeah. the one deficiency, like I said, is the catching traffic. But if he can do that, this can be a, a, a special football player. That, that is the only thing he's missing is being able to catch the football mm-hmm. in traffic, um, the focus, you know, being able to haul in those tough passes. But, mm-hmm. man, you talk about a special athlete. He, he's definitely that. Yeah, definitely. I think he's such a well-rounded wide receiver. You really touched on it. The route running, the releases at the stem, all phases yeah. of the route, man. Like he, He's got it. He's nuanced, absolutely. And then yes. the athleticism to create after the catch, I think he'll do really well for Pep Hamilton's team that wants to utilize the quick game a lot, um, get touches, manufacture touches on, on screens and whatnot. So I think he's a great fit, and I think he'll help out Davis Mills a lot. Um, I think it was interesting. We kind of saw the impact that losing uh, John Mechie and Jameson Williams had on Bryce Young late in the in the playoffs in the college football playoffs we saw the impact and how he wasn't able to be the Bryce Young we saw win the Heisman Trophy you know what I mean so that kind of speaks to John Mechie's impact on on Alabama um and I think he'll have a similar impact for the Texans and then yeah I guess touching on his catch and traffic ability is that something that you know there's there's certain skills certain traits that you can kind of improve upon and work on in, in as you transition to the NFL would you say working on the hands the concentration element of it are there things that you can do certain techniques, like, I guess, in terms of how you prepare to catch the ball, how, how your hands are positioned? Would you say that that's a pretty improvable trait? Man, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. That is something <laughs> that I am still deciding for myself because the variance is so wide, man. Like yeah. it's, it, you get guys that improve on it instantly. And then you get guys that, you know, they can't catch, but you take a bet on them. You gamble on mm-hmm. the fact that they'll improve on it yeah. and they don't. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm still trying to you know figure that's that's one of the small things in evaluations that I'm actually still trying to figure out because mm-hmm. it, it does vary so much and I mean you know we hear statistics all the time that um, you know it's like Terrell Owens or something like that back in the early 2000s he led the NFL in drops but he also had you know 1500 yards receiving so it's like <laughs> okay so you know what are we doing with this um, mm-hmm. but I will say this that. Um, the way NFL offenses are designed now, they can get guys open in space a whole yep. lot easier than what it was, you know, in the, the early 2000s, the 90s, and so forth and so on. Um, so I expect, you know, you talked about Pep Hamilton to do some creative things with him. And if that's something that they notice on film, 
Like, okay, we're, we're going to do more things to get him open and spacing. And this is the thing. John Metcher can get open. Yeah. <laughs> he has no problem. No problems. If you design it, he can definitely get open. So he still has a high chance of being a very productive football player. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100%. I feel like when you break down a, a wide receiver's like to the very bare bone, they're what they need to do, their job, get open and catch the football. Yes. And that man can get open with the best of them. Jeez, I would hate to have to cover him. You talk about the Auburn game. Oh, my gosh, I have so much I want to talk about with Mechie. But you talk about the Auburn game, um, that whip route to, to finish off the game versus McCreary. And I love Roger McCreary, man. I thought he's one of the better – just pure coverage corners in this class. I don't care about his arm length, his measurements, man. That guy yeah. can ball. But, whoo, he put him on skates, dude. Man, and, and that's why I talk about the suddenness and, mm-hmm. you know, just the route running. And, man, I, I just remember watching that stuff in person, like I said, with the receivers we had at LSU. And you can see it. Like, some guys got it. Just like when we talk about the rapid foot fire, yep. the line of scrimmage, and just naturally being able to get open and set defenders up. And then some of them don't. And, I, I'll tell you, like, this was – he might have been one of the first players I watched at the Draft Network, you know, be, officially being a part of the staff and everything. And, yeah. and I, I told him, I'm like – because I think he was, like, off of our radar at the moment um, because he was two a uh, year away. Um, and I was like, man, this dude is going to be a dude. Like, I, because you, you just see it. You just see it in the route running. And I always try to envision myself, you know, playing defensive back. And, like, how do you cover that, right? And you see a guy and it's like, man, that'd be difficult to tell a defensive back to match up with it. Then that's when you know you have a dude. Yeah, 100%. He will invoke fear into NFL DBs. I'm confident about that. I'm confident about that. Um, And then the last thing I want to touch on him before we move on, um, you mentioned kind of creating space for Mechie and and making it so that he doesn't have to be in all these catch and traffic uh situations and i feel like the texans are set up to do that pretty well with the other wide receivers that they have on the roster you can have brandon cooks and nico collins on the outside and then put mechie in the slot there i like mechie's versatility i think even being a slot guy and a little bit outside probably maybe you don't want him as your ex all the time obviously but as a zed um and as a slot guy you think he can he has that versatility to move around a little bit yeah Oh, definitely. That's something I put in my um in, in my reports, you know, that mm-hmm. we had to turn in was that I think he can play both the Z and the Y. Yeah. Um, he, he can do both things. And honestly, you see that he's really effective, you know, playing on the outside because man, like when you talk about just a, um like throwing the deep ball, like you know, you're talking about go ball, skinny post, post, mm-hmm. he can really do that because man, his release is so quick and so explosive yeah. that when he gets on top of that corner, it's lights out. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he can possibly – that may be his best position um, being on the outside. But, I mean, that's all the reasons why he was a second-round pick <laughs> with a torn ACL, and I definitely believe he could have went in the first round for sure. Hell, yeah. Love it, Keith. Love it. Big fans of John Mechie here. I'm excited because he's one of the few, I believe, Asian-Canadian players, and I'm, I'm Asian-Canadian yeah. myself. So it's, okay. it's cool to see that on your team and have a guy like that to root for. So I'm looking forward to it. And he's actually – his hometown – I lived there for for four or five years too. Um, um, are you so, talking about in Taiwan or in Canada? Which one? Sorry, yeah, in Brampton, in Canada. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Now he yeah. definitely had a very extensive and interesting background, but, right? I mean, all of that, you know, making to a well-rounded person. Definitely, definitely, and that's something that the coaching staff and, and everyone around him, you know, preach about with his time at Alabama. And we know the Texans love that, so it'll be perfect. I think it's a match made in heaven, really, with these two guys. Um, okay, moving on after then Damian Pierce. Let's touch on him and then we'll probably close this out with some with some rapid fire questions um and get out of here. But Damian Pierce, man, this was a, a an interesting this was this running back pick made me really happy because I feel like a lot of Texans fans they wanted us to go running back early, whether it's mm-hmm. Brees Hall or, or Kenneth Walker in the top of the second round. And my stance throughout this entire process is that man, we're not like a running back away from having a good run game. You know, the running, the run game is so there's so many pieces to the puzzle and our O-line is not good enough to support, you know, a guy like Reese Hall, Kenneth Walker and, and turn him into a thousand yard rusher. Like a lot of our Texans fans were, were so, you know, frustrated with passing on uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor a few years ago. We thought, man, if we just took Jonathan Taylor, we took that high second round running back. We got a running back for the future, man. But it doesn't work like that. You put Jonathan Taylor on this Texans, it's not going to work the same. Right. So I, I was glad that we waited off to the fourth round 
pick up Pierce. We were able to invest in the O-line early with Kenyon Green. And now we go get Pierce, and he's just a perfect scheme fit, I believe, for exactly what we need. The tough, hard-nosed runner. That dude is violent. He will pick up yards after contact between the tackle runner. Just get north-south with no nonsense. So I was a big fan of him. Um, what do you think he kind of adds to this Texans backfield now with Marlon Mack and, and Rex Burkhead as well? Yeah, I, I think it's really just some reliability and, and knowing yeah. what you're getting in game in and game out. Look, there's nothing sexy or pretty about Damian Pierce's game, <laughs> but guess what? It's effective. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, he, he has the ability. It's something I always like in my running backs, the ability to make that lateral cut and then get vertical. Um, mm-hmm. and he can do that. He can make that lateral cut, make the defender miss, and then get vertical upfield. So, and, and, and also another – I guess really good trait of his is his ability just to naturally break tackles. And I think that's something you can't really teach, but when you watch the film, you see defenders just kind of bounce off of him and he kind of absorbs that tackle, keep it moving. He can kind of, you know, spin move out of it. He can, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, it's a jump cut or something like that. So I think he's a very effective football player. And I'll tell you this, talking to all of the guys that, you know, attend the university of Florida, the football players, Mm -hmm. um, this draft cycle and I would ask them about Damian Pierce because I know what I seen on film and then I knew the production wasn't there so I was a little bit confused yeah. all of them vouched for him they said man look he definitely should have got more carries we believe mm-hmm. that if we'd have you know ran the offense through him he probably would have been we, we'd have been two or three games better and wow. that's how praises you know when you talk about just a running back yeah like I said I mean I think he's a very talented football player and when you think about those backs that go later um, you know, that that have, you know, spurts of being effective, like Alfred Morris and mm-hmm. you know, think about those guys that end up running for 13, 1400 yards in the NFL. And it's like, man, this guy fell to the fourth, fifth, sixth round. How is that possible? And, and it's a lot of the same attributes that Damian Pierce has, the ability to break tackles, make people miss, and is a hard tackle in the open field. So I, I really like Damian Pierce. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. I feel like when you're talking about running backs, at least for me, like it starts with the vision. And then it starts with the burst. Can they get up field quickly? Um, and then I kind of lump it into finishing in terms of, you know, what can you can can you do versus that first defender that you see? Finish finish that rep. Is it bo- like um, mauling him over, like lower your shoulder and, and finish it tough, just fall forward? Is it a jump cut and, and evade him or what it may be? Um, and so I think he has all those aspects. And then and the play strength, like you mentioned, to break tackles, man. Like he's a he's built low to the ground, low center of gravity. He's a bowling ball is how I like to think of him. He's just going to roll over these defenders, man. So I think he's got all those traits that you like. Like you said, the production might not be there, but that's not really the the end all be all. You know, every player is in a different situation. At the end of the day, for me, it comes down to the traits, what you see on film, and if those translate to the NFL. And I absolutely believe Pierce has all of that. So I'm excited to see it. I don't think he's going to start week one for the Texans, per se. They'll probably split that between Mack and Burkhead. But halfway through the season, third third of the way through the season, we'll start to see him get sprinkled in there, and and he'll be a a nice surprise. And I think he'll play so well that he's going to kind of force the coaching staff's hand to, to give him more touches in that committee. I, I agree 100. He, he's a he'll he'll be. I if I had to forecast it, he'll probably be the starter come next year. Um, yeah. but you you know you want to take take his time, let him get him acclimated. And one thing that's underrated with him is his pass pro. Man, yes. he he dominated at the senior the senior bowl. bowl. Yeah, he, he killed it. So I, I thought that was pretty impressive and pretty amazing. And that's going to allow him to get on the field also because when you're talking about a, a young quarterback like Davis Mills. Mm-hmm. Now you're already invested in Kenny Green. You have the two tackles. You're trying to make sure this guy's protected as possible because you want him to be word on the peasantry, right? And, and throwing mm-hmm. the football, delivering, get through his progressions. And you need running backs that can protect. So, man, I think it was just a good overall asset. Like I said, it may not be any sexy highlights, but mm-hmm. there are going to be times in the games where Houston Texans fans are going to be like, man, damn, I'm glad we have him. Exactly, exactly. He's tough. He's dependable. And he's just nasty, man. He will tr- he will get you those tough yardage for sure. Turn out those three, four, five yard carries and just kind of move the sticks. And then, yeah, I love what you mentioned about the pass protection. Like I thought he was a, a good processor in terms of picking up his assignments, um, watching his film in Florida. And then he brings the nasty, like just like how he finishes runs tough, like he will put defenders in the dirt when he's blocking, man. Watching at the senior ball, he would you say he was the best uh running back at the senior ball? I thought he was. I, I, I thought so. I, I thought he solidified himself, and, and he went in the fourth round. I, I gave him a clear third-round grade at yeah, the performance um, in the senior bowl, and he was one of those guys that you circle like, man, 
you know, you, you kind of go through the process and you're like, man, if I was working for a team, I hope that nobody else was paying attention to that. Possible. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely had him highlighted um, when I left the senior bowl. Yes, sir. Here's my RB3. What was he for you? Uh, I can't remember. He might have been, I think what I, I said, he finished like he got drafted number six. So he might have been five or six for me. Okay. I mean, that's because I, I had other guys too, like Zamir White from Georgia. I really yeah. liked him also. But man, it, it was a good bucket of running backs to say that this was a quote unquote down class. I feel mm-hmm. like if you didn't swing at those first running backs as far as Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall, you still found really good value at the back end of the third round into the fourth round. And so, like I said, that's why I agree with the Texans pick so much with getting him in the fourth. 100%, 100%. absolutely love that one. And then moving to their fifth round pick, Thomas Booker. This was one of, I think we could, I could see this one from a mile away because this dude is, is arguably one of the smartest players in the class. And Nick Casario has been preaching, you know, adding smart um, people and, and kind of have those, you know, players that are coaches on the field as well. And that's yeah. kind of how I see Thomas Booker. Um, out, defensive tackle out of Stanford, versatile guy, athletic guy, uh, really good run defender, just super disciplined in in his run fits and his assignments. Always, you're never going to catch him out of out of position. He's always in the right place at the right time. So I really like that addition. I think he can be a good rotational three tech uh, defensive tackle for us. Where do you see him fitting best in for uh, for Lovey Smith's four three? Because he played all over for Stanford on the edge and kind of three four defensive end as well. Um, where do you see him best? Yeah, I I, I think he's a four three. Um, you know, defensive tackle probably a three tech. Um, yeah. I love his athleticism. I, I thought yeah. when he decided to get upfield, um, kind of shoot those yeah. gaps and really get penetration, he can be really disruptive. And mm-hmm. I thought that he had a lot of functional strength, meaning that he's not a guy that you know in the weight room they could just move a lot of weight but then they don't know how to activate it on the field. This is a guy mm-hmm. that's how to activate that strength on the field. So you would see him kind of contort his body in different situations, and he was still able to hold the point of attack. So that let me know that he's yeah. really strong through his core and in his hands and also in his lower body. I thought he was pretty good against the run. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I think he's a high upside football player. This is another guy that, similar to Christian Harris, that put in this 4-3 scheme where things are a little bit simplified for them. Mm-hmm. I think they can flourish. So, man, there's another – pick that I would have definitely picked this guy. So like I said, man, the Texans, <laughs> I, I believe they stole my draft board, man. Cause I <laughs> God damn. And that's good to know because because yeah. Crystal Ball Keith out here, he knows yeah. the future. So <laughs> I definitely like the Thomas Booker pick. I, and, and look, we had this talk um as a staff, you know, when did we foresee him, you know, being a starter? Like that that's how that's how high do I you know I think of him. And I think he's another back end of the season guy. Once he really gets acclimated with everything, you can see him take majority of the reps because uh, I think he could be that type of football player. Damn, damn. Okay, so I feel like for me to get to that same stance that you're at, I, w- I need to see him develop a lot more in terms of the pass rush side of things. I feel like having a plan, you know, being better with his hands in terms of the timing, the placement, um, and then having counter moves. What were your kind of what were your thoughts on him as a pass rusher? Yeah, I, I would say it was tough because you watched him. Um, at Stanford, like you said, he moved around in so many different yeah. positions, right? And I always talk about the athlete, like what, when, and especially with defensive linemen, what position is my defensive lineman most likely to win, right? And, you know, when we see him at defensive end, I don't think he's athletic enough just to beat offensive tackles around the edge, right? Yep. But yep. if you kick him inside and now you have guards that aren't as, as athletic, can he beat some of those guards? And I, and I, for me, I think he can. Um, I think that's why I was higher on him was because I thought that he had athletic upside um, on the interior of the of the defensive line. So it, it was a projection standpoint. But then you also look at the athleticism and, and does he flash it? And I've I seen flashes of it. And then now you have, you know, it's the nuances right now. You get into yeah. schemes and what they ask the defensive lineman to do at Stanford versus, you know, what they'll actually do at um, at, at um at the Texans, and I, maybe wouldn't have been a great fit for everybody, right? But mm-hmm. I think in this scheme, I think is a really good fit, and that's just a testament to the Houston Texans front office for finding guys that fit in the scheme. For sure, for sure, I think he'll definitely do well with his, uh, you know, in a one gapping scheme because his get off was good. His get off yeah. was good. He can get off the ball when he really wants to. So that's what you're looking for in terms of those raw, you know, physical mm-hmm. traits of projecting uh, that. But 
Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I guess in terms of a, a starter, like I feel like now he'll be kind of behind Malik Collins. He's kind of penciled in as, as the starter as a three-tech DT. And I think that's a pretty perfect guy for him to learn from, to learn how to play in that one gapping attacking scheme, just get up field, be quick, be fast, um, and then kind of learn the pass rush side of things from him because that's, that's Collins' bread and butter. So I'm pretty um, bullish on that. And I feel like with Booker as well, he'll do – He'll be really good on on stunts and twists and mm -hmm. stuff like that because he's so smart. And then, like you said, he's so good at contorting his body and still staying balanced and, and being able to to penetrate as well. So I like that for him. Um, okay, let's finish it off really quickly. Two guys I didn't get to watch as much on um, throughout this draft process, but our last two picks: Tegan Quiteriano out of Oregon State, the tight end. He's billed as, you know, your typical inline blocking tight end. He's 6'5", 230 plus, um, 240 plus. Um, big time special teamer as well. And that's what you're kind of looking for here at, at the sixth round. That's always a plus. What were your thoughts on, on Tegan? Is he a player that you watched a lot this year? Yeah, no, I think you explained him perfectly. Like he's an inline guy. Then you talked about, once again, referencing Pep Hamilton yeah. and what they want to do. Um, you know, you can put him on the field and he can win some of those battles with defensive ends, right? Or just be able to climb to the mm -hmm. second level, be able to place that block. And then they have, what, another athletic tight end, and I believe Brevin Jordan. Yes, sir. Um, so, if you, you know, you want to go to those 12 personnel type situations or, you know, Pep Hamilton, even when he was at Stanford, right, he did a lot of different mm -hmm. things. He went 22 personnel, yeah. or, you know. 13 personnel, a bunch of different things. So I think this was just another addition for the versatility um, element of what they're trying to do offensively. So now, you, like you say, you talk about the back end of the fifth, sixth round, you find these guys that fit in your scheme, you know, they can do one thing well. And then, you know, you just hope that they can groom into the other part. But guess what? If he plays underneath, man, you have a young quarterback and that's another outlet guy for him to get the yeah. ball too quickly and just kind of like that, you know, that safety blanket that if, you know, everything is uh, covered down the field, then I could just dump it off to this guy, give him a move, you know, give me five, six yards. So I thought it was a safe pick, but it was also another pick that kind of translated to what they want to do offensively. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He was a, a, a pretty talented basketball player in high school. And you kind of see that on his film with his strong hands and how he can win at the catch point. So I like that point as well. I think it'd be a good safety blanket for Davis Mills. But yeah, that, that was another pick where like the idea of the player makes sense for what this team needs. Um, and so I thought the Texans overall had a very it their draft class pinpointed like their weaknesses well and, and and tried to supplement that without reaching too high um in, in many of these picks so i like that in general um and then the last pick austin deculus out of lsu what you think about austin man yeah i, I thought this was another good pick for where they got him at right i believe what mm -hmm. it was six seventh round I believe. yeah mid mid late sixth round yep yeah and be able to you know just kind of snatch him up right there and listen mm -hmm. at the end of the day the houston texans they told us they had a theme they want players that played a lot of football yep. at a high level, very experienced, and they come from winning programs and traditions. If you just look at the, the you know, the players they selected, and Austin Deculus fits that. Now, reason why he fell, obviously, because technique-wise, it's you know not up to par with your one at a high level tackle, and then mm -hmm. you know there, there were a lot of misses from him on film. But I mean, you still have to give him credit that he played four or five years at LSU against high level competition, so maybe there won't be much he hasn't seen on the next level. And if you can just find a backup offensive tackle, premier yeah. position, um, this late in the draft, a high-experienced guy, then you take him. So I, I don't I don't think he's – like, you know, we talked about Titus Howell. We talked about Larry Mutunso. So yeah. obviously he won't be the starter. Um, but if you could just get this guy in, if you're able to just squeeze out, hey, man, Titus Howard is out, you know, this week. We just need to put somebody at right tackle for the time being. And if you could get him, you know, through a game, then – you had much success with your sixth, seventh round draft pick. Exactly. That's that's really all you can hope for is the best of it. Hopefully, hopefully you get a swing tackle. Um, a lot of people project him to to guard. Do you think that might be his best position at the future? Or because I know no. he has some some pad level issues. Yeah, so I don't know if he's gonna work inside. Yeah, and that that's why I wouldn't do it. And obviously yeah. I've seen this guy every day at practice. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think he's just too long and then the leverage issue being on the mm -hmm. interior. Um, of the offensive line will present him problems. Um, I know the guard comes from because he's a big body and he yeah. may be better going forward than going backwards, but 
Um, I'm not sure if it'll be a whole lot better at guard. So I will leave him at tackle, see if you can get something out of him. Like I said, man, it was a sixth, seventh round pick. Yeah. That's what you use those picks for um, this late in the draft. Yeah, for sure. And then he seemed like a very good guy in terms yeah. of just good vibes. Good vibes, good hard worker. Yeah, is that what you got yeah, as well? Exactly. He is very, very um, good person, hard worker. Um, you know, never any negative energy. Loves football. Like you said, he could have came out two, three years ago in the draft, right? But he continued to come back, um, you know, wanted to work on his craft. So there is a for the love of the game element. Um, he played high school football in the state of Texas. I believe it was Houston. Um, so, you know, he just, man, he's local kids. So I think everything about it just makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah. So like you said, there's kind of two big themes um, for this Texans draft class is they got, you know, young players who had really high level experience in the SEC, six out of their nine um, draft picks were from the SEC. And then the other thing is all the hometown kids, Kenyon Green, Jalen Petrie, um, and then Austin Deculus as well. So it was really interesting to see what they're building. Um, there's a lot of homegrown talent now on the Texans, and I feel like they're trying to, you know, Maybe the talent isn't all fully there right now, but if you have all these guys that are, are from the same town and they're all passionate about playing for their town, like that added emotional aspect of creating buy-in and whatnot, maybe hopefully that can be uh, somewhat of an advantage for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we see that in the NFL all the time, right? Like yeah. there, there's an upset every week where we're scratching our head, like, hey, how the hell <laughs> exactly. do you that team? And you talk passion, and, I, you know, I talked about this earlier, man, that makes up so much of the football game, and that's just mm -hmm. the more and showing up and wanting to win. So, like you said, if you find these these guys, these young men, and it means something to them, and they want to be winners, and like I said, that's why they came from winning programs, that losing is not a standard for them. And I think that that's something that the Texans kind of had to get rid of. Right? You, the one thing you kind of hate to be is that – franchise that when people sign a contract they know that they just got to make it through 17 weeks yeah. with their paycheck and then go on for the next year you know you, you never want that moniker but that's a very real thing in the nfl um so man you got to get those winners in there those guys that like man they, they hate losing like every time they lose it, you know it takes a little bit out of them each week mm. you know? i, I sure. like the theme of the draft 100%, 100%. All right, let's transition to the last segment here, and then we'll get you out of here. I know you're a very busy man, so I don't want to hold you for much longer. But, um, okay, this will be the rapid-fire question, so I'm going to hit you with a question, and you just just hit me with the with the name of, of the draft pick. You, you believe answers the question, and that's it. It'll be really simple. Uh, favorite draft pick from the Houston Texans. Who was it? Oh, man, rapid-fire. Uh, <laughs> you consider value and everything, I'll go – I got to go Derrick Stingley. I'm going Derrick Stingley. Okay, that's your guy. CB1 all year, huh? Yeah, CB1. Let's go. That's your guy. That's your guy. I love it. Uh, most pro-ready. Who do you think out of this group is the most pro-ready to start? Kenyon Green. He has the nastiness okay. and the tenacity to be an impact starter. Instantly. Okay. Green over your guy Stingley. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I had to switch up. I didn't want to see the same. Okay. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Uh, this one you might revert back to Sting, but who has the highest ceiling out of the draft picks this year? Oh wow! Because um, they, I, I told you, I love this draft class. Yeah, um, a lot of high upside guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go Derek Stingley again, just because mm -hmm. you know you talk about a potential All Pro, mm -hmm. you know, best cornerback in the NFL type situation. For sure, for sure. Who's your? Do you have a player comp for him? Man, I, I, I gave him Stephon Gilmore. Okay, I think okay. was a was a great comp. Um, and you know, all pro, best corner in the yeah. league, dominated. I, I think it's that. There you go. That's what I kept saying. Is Nick Casario's want to get his, you know, his next J.C. Jackson, next Stephon Gilmore. That's yeah, how he's built those speech, right? Just Stephon Gilmore, Derek Stingley, Nick Casario. Yes, sir. A lot of the same things. Exactly. Exactly. So he's gonna want to build his defense around them, around Stingley, one hundred percent. Okay, and then last question. This one is. How many rookie starters do you see? So how many of these draft picks do you see can start as a rookie? And then how many are kind of eventual starters, let's say year two and, and on? <laughs> you know, what's, what's funny is we actually played, we, we did this on one of our uh, staff calls. Okay. <laughs> you say year two, right? Yes, sir. I think seven. Seven. Jesus, of the nine. I love it. Okay. Yeah, so I think seven. So from all the way to Derek Stingley to Tom Hooker, yeah. I think those are seven potential starters in year two. Man, that's great. That's a great haul to get seven starters. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. What was the the year that you guys used on your on your call? Was it year two, year three? Um, we, we did the back end of the first year. So I think we, we did it by like week 12 because, you know, you never know how the season goes. So it's like, okay, yeah. if they're out of playoff contention, do they start getting ready for next year? Right. Um, so we, we did it like week 12. How many guys do you think? Okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. So we did year two. And then from day one, do you think there's anyone in here? Probably Stanley, probably Green, Petrie. Anyone else you think? Or is that pretty much it? Man, I, I, I have to be honest with you. If John Mechie is healthy, yeah. I don't think you can keep that type of athlete on the field. And I mean, and let's let's just keep it honest. Offenses they they run three, four wide receivers anyway, yeah. so you can't tell me he won't be your third or fourth wide receiver. Yeah. Um, and then I think Christian Harris has a real shot. You just talk about that athleticism, mm-hmm. simplifying the game. I'm not sure how that weak side linebacker position looks for the Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they have a lot of. I'm pretty sure it's veteran guys on like one year deals and stuff like yes. that. Exactly. We got uh, Kamu Gurdra-Hill. Um, I honestly was not expecting anything out of him because he's had a pretty, you know, mediocre career um, as, as mainly a special team guy. But then he kind of shocked us all and had a hell of a season in Lovey Smith's scheme. I think getting into that 4-3 scheme, getting away from the Miami uh, Dolphins 3-4 scheme with Brian Flores. With us, he put up 108 tackles, um, three sacks, 13 tackles for loss. He had a very good statistical season, career best season. So I think he's going to kind of hold down that, that will linebacker spot. But like you said, he's only on one year deal. So, I, so how I envision it is Christian Harris is mainly a sub package player in year one, utilize his coverage and his blitzing skills. And then, and maybe he can start later in, in the end of the season, but progressing into year two, he learns from Kim Gruger Hill, how to, you know, read his run keys and process all those mental aspects of him in year two, he's a bit of a, he's more of a starter as Cameron Grugel signs elsewhere. I agree with you. All righty. We went through every pick. We went through all the questions here. All right, perfect. That's it. Um, Keith, man, it was great talking ball with you. I appreciate it. We're going to have to do this um, again. Uh, the listeners can find you on Twitter at the talent code, I believe. That's the talent code, yes. Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. All righty. Thank you again, man. Thank you for joining me. All right, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hit me up. Let me know. 100%. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe if you haven't. Or check out the audio version of Believe in Texans on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That will do it for me. Take care, everyone. Come back for more. And remember, the film don't lie. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.